I love shooting the shit with you. I mean, I rose up from the dead. I do it all the time. <laughs> Hello. It's, it's a me, Soph. Uh, okay, I am currently recording this because I have just finished editing this podcast you're about to listen to. It is Thursday night. I am releasing this Friday. So that's fun. We love last minute. To say this has been the week from hell for me is like an understatement. Work has been... I've only worked four days this week and I've already done more than 55 hours. So that's gross. But it's my very favorite holiday tomorrow and I get to hang out with several of my nearest and dearest and get to cook and eat a lot of really cool food and share my culture in a really special and meaningful way for me. So it's gonna be a good end of the week at least. What I can tell you though is that the audio here is not my best. I had some technical difficulties during the call with Charlotte and well, this is what we're left with. I told you I was gonna get better at this, so that's why I get to not be as good in the beginning. I hope you enjoy it. It's a really fun conversation. I do wanna make note and give a pretty big trigger warning that we do discuss suicidal ideation. So if that is something that you are uncomfortable listening to, that is completely fine. We'll catch you with another episode. I know the topic of death isn't for everyone and it's hard to come up with the correct trigger warnings each time. So I can say that while we do discuss the fact that we have experienced hashtag trauma, we do not go into the details of of all of our dramatic experiences. So I hope you guys just laugh along with us as we discover the nuance in our similar life journeys as friends, as people, as future skeletons. I don't, I don't know. It's been a weird week. Okay. I love you. I hope you enjoy the episode. Enjoy. might know a podcast where we talk about death life uh, everything in between and try to figure out I don't know the meaning of life maybe I I don't know that so it's something I don't know I'd like to know you might Um, know yeah I might another we might find the answers yeah we might (laughs) might not (laughs) so this is my fantastic guest, Charlotte, and I have been friends with Charlotte for many years now. We survived a cult together. Uh, we went to the same college together. We have very similar mindsets on feminism and capitalism and the patriarchy and what we deserve as strong, independent women. Well said. So I would love to hear a little bit from you about who you are. Pronouns, astrology, big three. Oh, yes. I think that'll do it. Anything else that you want to like identify yourself as, please. Awesome. Okay. Let's see. I am Charlotte Smith. I am 25. I use she, her pronouns and my big three are, okay, so I'm a Capricorn son. 
I am an Aries rising and I am a Virgo moon. So we've got, we've got a lot of earth energy, but a little fire. So it's our Aries risings. I think that really to our core, like we just understand each other. I think so too. Cause we both have that little, like that little zest in us. We're way more abrasive to other people than like, we think we are are exactly oh my god logically makes sense to us in all of our earth sign like strong energy like that like you do kind of have you know like Capricorn is like daddy of the chart like you're kind of you give off some daddy energy yeah I feel that I definitely I think you do too I I definitely give off actually you kind of give off but also like mom, it's, I, I was going to say you're like mommy, but you're also like, I have a cancer moon. So I am mommy for sure. And that makes sense. Cause I get along so well with cancer. So like, yeah, yeah. I love my emotional, my emotional buddies. Cancer sure. Pisces. Oof. Oof. I would love to have a really positive experience with a Pisces. My roommate is a Pisces and he's lovely. Which one you have like 12. Yeah. <laughs> my roommate Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte's so- currently living her best life in Philadelphia right now absolutely crushing the game just oh, the coolest you. life her house is like a fun name they have their own Instagram account it's so cool She's yeah so follow cool. us we're um at the palace john as in philly john as in j-a-w-n yeah we're a we're a we're a little show house we have the same what is it like four of us like constantly like I need you to come visit Oh, I really want to soon. I like keep following all the Instagrams and I'm like, that show looks really fun. That show looks really fun. That show looks really fun. It'll happen. So in a little bit of prep before this episode, I chatted with Shar regarding her outlook on death. If she had any ideas about what we were going to talk about today. So one thing that Charlotte did mention is that she actually wrote a essay on death overall but with kind of a specific outlook on the difference between the fear of death and kind of balancing that with suicidal ideation Mm -hmm. um without further ado i'm going to start with funeral rituals from around the world so in south korea bodies are often cremated and pressed into beads in madagascar the malagzi people practice the turning of the bones where they dig up spruce up and then rebury the bones of loved ones every few years. In the Philippines, coffins are hung on mountainsides, so the dead are closer to the sky. Okay, so that's so fucking interesting to start. I love, I love a fun fact. I always have, I always will. And death in other cultures has always really fascinated me the two most present kind of religions in my mind were Judaism and Christianity being a Jew living in a Christian culture Mm -hmm. and the Jewish practices on death are actually my favorite thing about the religion Mm. it makes the most sense to me it is the most respectful you cover mirrors all mirrors because Mm. the grieving people should not have to worry about what they look like at all I love that I love that. It's like just the smallest of details. When you're buried, you're buried in a pine box because Mm -hmm. we come from the earth. We return to the earth. We don't need to be shelling out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on coffins. We don't need to do open caskets, right? That's a common thing within Christianity where you get someone to like put makeup on. I remember the movie My Girl where (gasps) the little boy got stung by a bunch of bees 
and passed and it was like this whole because the girl lived in a what is it, mortuary a funeral home yeah. a funeral home yeah 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 and her dad was the funeral director and then he started dating their like makeup artist hold on who is that actress she's a queen she's a fucking oh queen my god. oh my god I'm embarrassed I cannot think of it right now no that's why we have google we do not have to waste our precious brain power Thank the Lord okay hold on the fact that this movie is only getting a 6.9 on imdb is a travesty wait that's twisted that's actually twisted veda her name was veda the the little girl oh and it was macaulay culkin it was thomas J. oh that's so funny jamie lee curtis fucking hell how did we not know that i'm literally so embarrassed activia mom we love you yeah that movie kind of like i was basically Veda's age like a little girl watching that and thinking about like death and dying and I don't know just the different practices of death like I can't even go into all of the details of like sitting shiva which is mm. in Judaism like spending time to help mourn the dead with the grieving family in their own home and you have to have like a minion which is like a certain number of dudes so that you can pray together and it can actually be heard by God <laughs> something I don't know some of the rules are a little stupid I'm not gonna lie but like I like the intention behind it though like it's a it feels like very a very cool intention that's really cool yeah I love the the one from the Philippines that was like one of my favorite ones that I read about I thought that was so cool as well like the thought of like being very close to the sky how did they get up there I like just like the coffins too I remember being very cool but I would have to look it up again no, it's so fascinating. I mean, in uh, some Scandinavian ancient cultures, they had the process by which the elderly, you might've seen this if you've seen Midsummer. they mm-hmm. do quite the depiction of it, but it's, it's a real thing that they really did, which is the elderly, uh, when they've reached a certain point that the community has decided for these members to continue living on with the community would be a greater burden to all. Mm-hmm. They let themselves fall from a great height like in the fjord mountain ranges and um yeah they go jumpy jumpy (laughs) i did not know that that was like an actual thing that happened. oh yeah oh yeah and it's really seen as a moral kind of way to help the community because you i was gonna say that's it's really selfless in a way and it also kind of takes away the process of the fear i think of death because it's like you know when it's gonna happen I, I've, me and my mom have talked about this a lot. Cause we, you know, we watched my grandmother have a stroke and then have dementia and just suffer for like years. She would constantly be like, I just want to die. Like she would just say it all the time. And I don't know, we talk about that a lot, how it's like, we would rather go out on our own terms than have to just watch our life like dwindle before, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I really feel that in a way. My mom like jokes all the time. She's like, yeah. If I ever get there, I'm just going to go off into the woods and you guys got to let me do my thing. And I'm like, you need to stop joking about this so much. I feel like she's serious. Yeah. No, my mom has told us multiple times. She does not want to live past the age of 80. She wants a right? pillow over her face. And we're like, stop joking about that. And she's like, I'm not really joking. I really do mean it. And I'm like, that's quality of life. You might have a shit quality of life by 70. And you don't want to tell me that you don't want the pillow until 80 when you want it at 70. And you might have a great, you know, amazing quality of life because her mother and her grandmother, like we've got good genes for longevity in my family. And she's like, no, it's 80 and I'm done. 80 and I'm done. It's over. (laughs) You don't know. You're like, we trying to manifest living past 80. 
Like, like, I get it. I get it. I would not want to live with a shit quality of life either. And each person, I think, is totally capable of deciding what quality of life is shit to them. Yeah. What is with our mothers? And yeah. I feel like that says a lot about us too and why we are. (laughs) (laughs) We are our mother's daughters. Like, you think I'm abrasive? My my mom (laughs) constantly talks about going off into the woods. Uh, I love my mom. She's she's amazing. Yeah, I love my mom too. It's funny because actually <laughs> from a young age, like I was never, I wouldn't say I really have memories of being afraid of dying. I just remember being afraid of dying in pain. Ooh. It, it being a long death, it being a yeah, torturous kind of ending. And that fear has actually been completely assuaged in the last couple of years, just based on what I've learned from people who have like described dying, that it's actually very peaceful in the actual Mm. moments. Yeah. Getting like stab wound to the stomach hurts. But once you actually cross the threshold of like you've lost enough blood, there is no other way. Like you're not going to get saved. They describe that as like very peaceful. And interesting. at the end, you're just kind of like, there's no pain. It's okay. Like some people might be scared if they're conscious enough, but only if they're scared of actually like what's next. And I'm so excited for what's next. Me too. I honestly, I've had some weird stuff in this lifetime. So like, I feel like I'm prepared for anything at this point. But no, I agree. And like, we'll get to the piece in a bit and like how, you know, me growing up with like my insane fear of death and stuff. But I feel the same way in that I'm a lot less scared these days, you know, especially after my, the aforementioned grandma, who I miss um, very much passed. It was like right before she passed, I guess. Like she was like talking to her mom, like her mom was in the room and referencing stuff from when she was a little girl. And I don't know, I thought that kind of brought me a sense of peace because she really loved her mom and I know she missed her so much. So like, I'm going to get emotional talking about this. So it's like, I believe in a way that her mother was there. And I've, you hear this a lot from people who have had near death experiences about like seeing like people on the other side. I don't know. That brings me some comfort, but I'm also like, I kind of believe in like reincarnation low key. I don't know what I believe, Sophia. So like I could see so many different things, but it is little things like that where I'm like, okay, that's really comforting. Sorry, that was a messy ramble, but- Loved it. I loved it. I'm getting better at not interrupting my guests because I'm very Jewish and I want to interrupt as a sign that I'm paying attention. And I'm like, just shut the fuck up, Sophia, and let her talk, let her finish her thought. And it was so good. I'm literally Um, trying to do the same thing. I'm not even Jewish, but I have that instinct. Like, I want people to know that I'm engaged all the time. Okay, I'm going to try not to do that too. So it's not like that. (laughs) You you have to, because I'm I'm much worse at it. I promise. It's better for you. I need more of you. I need less of me. You know, (laughs) my podcast, like I'm coming back every week. They're going to hear me talk fucking enough. They want to hear me Um, (laughs) Oh my God. No, I think that's really interesting. So we're going to, just to kind of segue through. So here's another portion from Charlotte's essay. Christians believe in heaven, Jews believe in the afterlife, Muslims believe in the continued existence of the soul, Buddhists believe in samsara, a continuous cycle of life and death until one reaches enlightenment, Hindus believe in reincarnation, atheists do not believe in an afterlife. I still do not know what I believe. Okay, that clearly has updated a little bit. I mean, you maybe still don't know what you believe, but you, what do you believe? Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely still don't know what I believe, but I have ideas of what I'd like to believe in or like, I think there are things that like make more sense to me. 
Okay, I feel like when I wrote that, I was still, I grew up like having to go to church and everything and that like kind of Christian mindset. So I think it's taken me some time to unlearn that and be like, Charlotte, you're allowed to believe in other stuff and not feel guilty about it. You know, like it's that, I want to say Catholic guilt. I wasn't even raised Catholic, but like, (laughs) you know, it's like the weird like Christian guilt that just, they make you feel bad for thinking anything else. And you're just like, no, like, I'm sorry. Reincarnation kind of makes the most sense to me. I also, I, oh my God, do we want to get nerdy? Yeah. I think I've lived a past life. Like I low-key have memories of it a little bit. That sounds so stupid, but more right now. Okay. Do you also believe in like memories being passed down from family? If that makes sense. There is scientific evidence of this, uh, where trauma is stored Mm -hmm. in the body, right? The body keeps a score. We know all of that, but there was a study done on mice, but like, it's, it's a concept that we've learned, you know, even from like really catastrophic issues like the Holocaust, where your grandmother, when she has like the eggs within her that will become your mother within that egg is what will become you. Yeah. So you, your like whatever spark of cells, like whatever little bits that become, you know, fleshed out into you are living within your grandmother. Mm-hmm. And whatever your grandmother was going through affects you. Yes. So that's exactly what I'm getting at. So my grandma, she was born in like, what was it? Like 1920-ish time in New York City, right? My entire life, I've had this weird connection in New York City. I would go there and I would cry coming home because I was just like, like, I felt like I was supposed to be there. I always felt at home there. Even when I'd never been there, I like knew where I was going going like I'm still like that like I'll go to parts of the city I've never been to and I just like feel like I've been there before and I know where I'm going and this has been like consistent ever since I was first going there I don't know growing up I had a lot of weird obsessions with like stuff that kind of happened in that time period stuff that I mentioned in the essay as well I was like I had a morbid fascination with Titanic and the triangle shirtwaist factory and like all of those things kind of occurred right before my grandma was born in New York or like we're related to New York. Like the Titanic was supposed to come to New York. I don't know. I don't know if it's my grandma or if I like lived a past life in literally like turn of the century, New York City, but there are like multiple weird things where I feel like there's something weird going on here. Does that make sense? Do I just sound absolutely insane right now? No, no, no. I had such an obsession with the Titanic. I have such an upset. Like I... The movie, eh, the story, ooh, ooh. No, like I'm talking like the real story. Like I didn't even see the movie till years later. You know how most parents would take their kid to the zoo? Mine took me to the traveling Titanic exhibit. (laughs) And I would check out all these books and movies from the library. And my mom would be like, should you be watching this? And I'd be like, (laughs) I don't know. I really did. I have always had that empathic is a shitty word for it but like the ability to really envision my life as though it was someone else's like to put myself in their perspective and be like what was Mm. it like for them and then sort of like be there as best as my fucked up mind maybe could you know put me there and yeah I I thought about kind of every perspective on the Titanic every single one yes you think about the dark you think about the screaming think about when the screaming stops I thought I thought a lot (laughs) honestly maybe that's why we're so aware about social stuff because you think about how people die just because like they were on the poor level of the ship and they literally locked them down there yeah drowned stuff like like they definitely drowned like to the 
point yeah. that it's not even like they could try to swim at all. They exactly. Just, it's there like was no air to swim up to. Yeah. And it's the rich people like them having that status. It literally saved their lives. And I don't again, know. But it was still mostly women and children, though. There were a you lot know? of rich men that died, too. That's true. That's so true. From every perspective, it was just so horrifying. Except for that one perspective. I'm sure the world could have used a few less white I'm sure yeah. a lot of them were very racist and very much misogynistic assholes that's who so might have done a lot of damage had they gone back. So that's true. That's so the you know. silver you know. lining. <laughs> that and like I had such a huge obsession with Egyptian mummies, yes. the process of turning people into mummies, mm-hmm. all of that, like. I all the weird kind of, history morbid stuff good shit good real shit. good shit and again just being kind of in that I don't know like I remember going to a museum where we could see some of the like pottery tools whatever from ancient Egypt that they actually used to like drain out the liver or, like whatever goop they were degooping you for yeah um, <laughs> and the degooper the, the official de-goopers. scientific term <laughs> it's so fucking offensive it's so good that these cultures are very dead sorry to the ancient spirits listening but yeah the degoopers i mean we all so, got good to this day yeah don't tell gwyneth paltrow the degoopers <laughs> please i'm dying oh lord i'm dying funny funny podcast for me to say that mm. uh, <laughs> in a weird way death is kind of the one thing that binds all humans together it's like, a great equalizer. It doesn't it matter is. how rich you are. It doesn't matter how beautiful you are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what social capital you've gained in your life. Yeah. You're going to die mm-hmm. at, at some point. We all are. And I find a lot of peace in that too, because yeah, it's what makes everything kind of worth doing in a lot of ways, but it's yeah. also the thing that's hanging over our heads saying, don't waste time yeah pussyfoot around so well said (laughs) it's true though like we do not know how much time we have and not to quote rent but like forget regret or life is yours to miss no day but today (laughs) thank you jonathan (sighs) yeah so much that's another that's actually another really good one i was first exposed to rent when i was in lower school we were definitely way too young to be watching rent when we were watching rent yeah, I know. I specifically, you know, when um, Mimi is singing about, you know, can you light my candle? And yeah. then she says the part where she's like, you know, they say I have the best ass in all something. 14th Street. Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it true? And I literally was obsessed with this song. I would sing it all the time. I was a, you know, singing queen um, with like singing lessons and was like, I'm a soprano. I'm amazing. And like, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> and I literally, I couldn't help myself. I was such a theater kid in that respect and was just obsessed with the music. Oh, yes. Had them on my iPod, blasted. You're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> and my mom was like, what lyrics are you singing? And I didn't know the word ass. Okay, like that's how young I was. So my head heard that and thought she was saying ask, like A-S-K. And I thought that it just meant like, you know, they say I have the best ask in all 14th Street. Like that she- Like a question. Yeah. That's obviously what she meant. That she's just a really good questioning, interviewing queen. Mimi is a journalist icon. Duh. (laughs) 
Stop. I'm actually obsessed with this interpretation. I want a version of Rent where Mimi is just a girl boss journalist. <laughs> she just has all the asks. Everyone on 14th Street is shaking. Shaking. <laughs> shaking. They're just like not ready for her. I just took in these themes that were way over my head. Yes. But death wasn't so way over my head. Like I had had, you know, my Nana, my mom's grandmother pass away when I was very little. You know, I'd had lizards die and stuff. I didn't really have real pets until I was a little older, but I was enough familiar with the concept of death. I was in lower school in the early aughts. So yeah. If you think about kind of the time frame of the AIDS epidemic, we still didn't have a good enough cure, I think, at that point that people could really know it wasn't a death sentence. Or it was like the very beginning of them being like, it's finally no longer an instant death sentence if you are HIV positive. And it was so instilled in me that actually like AIDS is one of the things that I feared the most about like getting sick and dying because of the way they described it to us as tiny, tiny children, of it just being like this autoimmune and your body fighting itself. And then- And there was like weird stigma about it. Rent was the first time that I realized like, oh, this is an America? Yeah. No, like seriously though, because the way that it was spoken about to us by like adults, I feel like they only ever talked like it was like in Africa or other places. It was just made to seem like far away issue that didn't affect us. And I think that had a lot to do with like Reagan and the government. It's so weird to think about that now from like a 2020 context where the AIDS conversation is completely different. So different. You talk to your friends about them taking their prep pills and like, it's just Mm so part of the combo and just in a way it so wasn't at all during that time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we've made some progress in terms of that. That's something. (laughs) It's something. It's definitely something. I mean, I don't know why we have to do like the absolute worst thing before we can eventually get our shit together as people, like humanity in general. But (laughs) I know. No, it's, it's one of the saddest things because I think about the entire generation of queer people that we lost Mm -hmm. from the Gen X community. Yeah. You know, you think about boomers they suck and then you think about gen x and they're kind of quiet you know like you don't really they're kind of forgotten in a lot of conversations yeah. and i really think it's just because they they took such a dent to the coolest people of their community the coolest people of gen x got wiped out it's really true oh so fun fact about this essay i actually wrote it when i was visiting my grandma for the last time before she died so that was really heavy on my mind when I wrote it and I feel like that's probably kind of apparent it's definitely apparent I would say it's really I think powerful that you specifically state that your original intention was to have the entire essay to be about her and that there's no way that you were going to be able to actually do that in the way that you wanted in I'm still not ready no yeah and that's completely okay what you did is you bled the wound a little because you did talk a portion of the essay about her and I think that's one of the most healing kind of things that you can do in life is bleed it out a little by little let just a tiny bit of the poison out and it'll make everything a little bit more manageable and because it's a little bit more manageable you can get a little bit more out yeah I agree there's no timetable on that it could take years it could take months I doubt it would take days but like who's to say I'm not gonna fucking I've been putting off multiple stories that I need to write for years now because I'm just not ready but eventually there are gonna be there there will be things to say eventually (laughs) 
Yeah. And hopefully you'll find the words to speak about them with the perspective that you gain through yeah. whatever future version of you is actually able to write it in the way that it deserves to be written about. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the things that I like holding on to when I have personal suicidal ideation because there is, there's just so much future. And I think it's really, really hard to feel the younger you are because Mm -hmm. every year holds so much more weight. When you're eight years old, one year is an eighth of your lifetime Mm -hmm. heavy. When you're 25 or 27, like it's uh, 25th or 27th instead. It's a lot less. And that's so true. I've never thought about it that way. When you're younger and you have the idea that like life is terrible and there's no way to move forward from it because all of your past experiences are like whatever they've been. The older you get, the more life you kind of know to expect. And I'm so excited. I love listening to people who are aging um, into their 40s and then to their 50s with such absolute grace and passion. And like Chelsea Handler and Jen Kirkman, I am living for watching these women age. It is, they're so hot. They're so funny. They're so interesting. One of my first podcasts that I ever really got into is My Favorite Murder. And while I am no longer tuning into them since they have (laughs) sold out, (laughs) one of the things that I loved most about their friendship was that they didn't meet until they were in like 30s and 40s. There's a 10 year difference between them and they became best friends. Now, I don't know if that's still true. I'll be honest. Can't quite tell. But I do believe they had a really good, powerful amazing genuine friendship for at least a couple of years throughout their pod I agree you you can tell you can you feel can it oh yeah like yeah 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 fun and they didn't know each other in their 20s they had no idea that they were going to have such an amazing best friend that they were going to share so much life with right? and travel with and go on tour with and that's so cool I love intergenerational friendships um, me too they're awesome there are a lot of people that I've worked with that were in like their 40s and stuff I've just looked up to so much yeah and I agree it's so cool to think about like There's so many people that you haven't met yet. There's so many things that I wish I could tell that like suicidal teen version of myself about. I mean, there are things I could tell myself even like two or three years ago when I got, you know, very close to having an attempt after some insane trauma. I was in a place where I could not see anything ever being okay again. And now I am the happiest I've ever been. And with the friends that I feel like I was always truly meant to find. And you want to like tell yourself that there's more coming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it even kind of takes away some of the fear because even if something were to happen to cause this experience to end, but it's like knowing that you have that evidence of your life of having gotten through it before, of gotten yeah. through something really intense like that, and then found something really amazing, it can be even more powerful. I have to agree. So another portion of your essay that I thought would be kind of interesting to speak on, there's a few different lines. So you're speaking on a high school acquaintance of yours who died. Yeah. So... For just some anonymity purposes, we're going to change his name. Yeah, I was going to say, let's just not name him if that's cool. Yeah. So let's, do we want to give him a fake name? Yeah, we can um, we can call him Kyle. 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 That's Totally, a, that's like Kyle. Oh, totally Kyle. Kyle died. So Kyle, a high school classmate of yours who passed away. And during the impromptu memorial service that you guys put on people I guess more of your age not like his family or or... yeah just his friends mostly put it on yeah yeah 
There's a line that says, one of them speaks. A shooting star passes overhead. I swear it is a sign from Kyle. Mm -hmm. So I love that idea. Yeah. And I guess I'm just curious if there were any other signs that Mm -hmm. had any kind of importance, especially like surrounding Kyle, like from his friends Mm -hmm. or or from that memorial service or. Yeah. So it was, it was his friend who was speaking who like, I know he was like one of his best friends. And like, this was someone that I was pretty good friends with as well from like one of my classes. And this was someone that I, uh, you would never imagine seeing cry. So it was like, it was just, I don't know. It was really hard to see him like get up there and like speak on his friend. And like, it was just a very sudden tragic passing that like no one saw coming. I think everyone was just trying to process And this memorial was maybe days after it happened because we all just needed to come together and just try to like make sense of it, I feel like, as a community. And as high schoolers, I mean. Yeah, because, and and then the other thing is, I don't know if I mentioned it in the piece, this was like a week before we were going to graduate. And he was, he was going to go to the same college that we went to as well. And I, I don't know, his friend was speaking and I saw that shooting star pass overhead. I just felt like it was him like telling everyone that it's okay. I don't know. I felt like it was a sign of comfort for, I don't know. I don't even know if anybody else saw it, but like, or actually I know a couple of my friends did. Cause I was like, did you just fucking see that? Cause it was the moment that it happened to it was like his friend had literally just stopped speaking he had just put the microphone down it just felt like one of those moments where it it felt very intentional from the universe you went to high school in you know the kind of the landing strip between dc and baltimore i could say yeah um, Yeah. (laughs) is very well lit bright skies at night really do kind of have to get pretty far out to really do any proper stargazing and so to see a shooting star that kind of clearly in the night sky is a little bit more powerful. Yeah. I've only seen three or four in my entire life. And every other one that I've seen is um, when I've been in upstate New York in the mountains, like so far from where there's like no light pollution. So I completely agree. It was, it was such a starry night that night. It was weird. That's why I just have to believe it meant something. I don't know if that's dumb, but I found comfort in it and I hope that he is doing well wherever he is because he was a lovely person. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely, definitely. This is so random, but I'll never forget this one thing that he did. He was in one of my classes and one girl was like talking about how she was insecure about her stretch marks and he like lift up his shirt and he was like, don't worry, guys have them too. And I never forgot that. Like it was just so genuine and kind and like I never really saw guys do stuff like that, you know, in high school. It was a really cool moment. <laughs> That's really cool. Man, Kyle, you were a real one. Yeah, Kyle was awesome. And an interesting thing, I think, especially complicated for our generation and younger is all of the social media presences that we have. And this is another thing that I've always really thought about when it comes to death and dying are the people who had accounts and, as you expertly say, are frozen in time. Like Their Mm. pictures are, their content is just frozen in that yeah and it's one of the things that I almost feel like feels the most finite because all of their captions all of their commentary it's so completely them and on Twitter you describe how there's an application on Twitter that counts followers and automatically posts from a person's account every once in a while whenever it posts from Kyle's account my heart skips a beat it's incredibly haunting to see a tweet from someone who has died but I can't bring myself to unfollow him because, well, who unfollows the dead? 
I think that is so fucking powerful. And it is something that I think about with the people that I still follow who have died. And, you know, one of them is a uh, late comedian and podcaster. Mm -hmm. And it's so amazing to see when I look up another account that this account was followed by Matt George, too. And that I can be like, oh, it's a little sign of approval from one of my favorite podcasters. He had just the best sense of humor. And so I know if he followed them, if he liked their content, then I will, too. Yeah. It will speak to me as though I'm hearing from him. That's really cool to still like get to see that. It feels like a little piece of them. You still get to have like a little bit of. And yeah, I think about this all the time. You know, everyone's always like, be careful what you say online, all this stuff. But like, to me, it's almost comforting in a way. It's evidence that we were here and we were alive and we felt things. I had many breakdowns on Twitter in college because, you know, I went through some really horrible stuff and no one would take accountability and I didn't know what else to do, but I had to get these feelings out and I had to put them somewhere because I felt like I was losing my mind. You know, I'm often like, oh, was that a mistake? And then I'm like, you know what? That is what I went through. That was a huge piece of my life. And honestly, I don't know if I'll have kids one day, but like, I wish that my grandma had a Twitter that I could go through and read what young her was thinking. You know what I mean? I think that's really cool that basically like the entire history of like my life will be there because we are so small and we all die and it's something to leave behind. In the past, only famous writers, their stuff lasted beyond their death. And now all of us kind of remain in that way online. And it's, um, it's really interesting to me. Well, it's the multiple lives that we lead. And in that respect, we have really a lifespan of which the medium that we have recorded Mm -hmm. this laugh. So as soon as Twitter and Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. and all of our medias of now are gone, which one day they will be, all of that evidence, it's all just digital, right? It's not tangible. You can't And that's part of the problem, too, because even written documents disintegrate, too, if they're not preserved correctly in the right kind of environment. And yeah, like there's just so many deaths that I think that we all have. And yeah, in many ways, we are kind of living beyond in a way that humanity didn't really get to before because or at least a very small specific part of humanity got to. And now the masses kind of get to for as long of a period as we keep maintaining it. And yeah, yeah, there's value to it, especially for the people who have been left behind who want access to that content for the rest of their lifetimes, which in many ways they're deserved. So it's it's just so kind of, I don't know, nuanced and complicated in that sense, because there's so much, I don't know, it's weird. It's very weird. I'm glad that we talked about this. This is something I think about all the time because like, I don't know, it comes up, people die and you still see their stuff and it's weird and it's um, comforting. I actually was first thinking about this podcast and what I wanted to do because I've been thinking about starting a podcast for years at this point. Um, And one of the things that I really thought I was going to do with this podcast was have my guests come on and specifically speak about their own future death like you're going imagine you're dying next week imagine this is all that's left of you what do you want to say what do you want to iterate do you want to talk about the plans that you want to make sure that you have do you want to talk about messages that people need to hear do you want to talk about like how you want to be remembered 
Um, because I thought it was so fascinating to have something kind of left behind, especially about the topic of death. When we mourn these people and you think, oh, this person understood death so well. I wish I had asked it a question. I want to be the person to ask the questions of these people before they actually die, because I am talking to you before you die. I just hope that it's in a very, very long time. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Me too. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, have repeat guests in case they want to talk more about their future, you know, death and everything. But I'm kind of glad with how it's morphing into, because I think that would have been, for one, a little bit too complicated for some people to really fully conceptualize. I was gonna say that's really hard like I would have to think about that because that's like that's a question like it's a good one I would have a lot of freak accidents and I think about people like who die in hit and runs or who die in accidents Mm. like Bob Saget with his head injury if you had told these people two years ago you only have two years left to live you make different choices you don't necessarily do the same day in day out monotony of your life like you spend more time with the people you love. And yeah, you can tell somebody that now and just be like, just spend more time with the people you love. But that's not helpful in the same breath that it would be if you really knew two years. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And I just, I know it's not possible to constantly live with the idea that you could be dead in two years, but I do. I always do. Yeah. I mean, that's the weirdest thing is like, we all just like pretend like that's not a thing I feel like, but we all just could drop dead at any moment. And you know how we're talking about capitalism briefly. Like, I think that's part of like capitalism that really bothers me. I feel like every day we are forced to think about how we're going to make ends meet to survive. And I don't know, there are really different things that I would like to be doing with my time here on earth. Yeah. Capitalism has absolutely pigeonholed us in a way that has deprived us of so much of community of like understanding each other so much spirituality spirituality yes you know just feeling that actual genuine connection with people the ways that we connect are not they're not connection they're not yeah Uh, some of the micro communities have aspects of it but it's just where else are you going to find community how else do you make new friends where do you find people who have the similar interests as you when Mm. the world is as big as it is and as demanding as it is because you have to be producing something you have to be adding in some way because you are sucking up so much yeah resources of I don't know time really yeah time again it's just it's such the great equalizer you know uh, which jaded celebrity recently said we all have the same 24 hours in the day? It was Molly May. <laughs> Love Island. Um, I cannot with these celebrities <laughs> lately. We have the same 24 hours in a day. That's true. But some of us have to spend time commuting and some of us right. don't. And some of us <laughs> are able to pay other people to prepare food for us. And some right. of us awesome. Like we do not have the same 24 hours when you look at the inequities but we have the same 24 hours if you remove everything about society yeah but that's not functional we don't live in that world I mean we don't (laughs) right oh this is I'm so glad that you're doing this I'm so glad that you started a podcast I think you have such good thoughts and I literally like this concept and everyone has such a different perspective about death so you're gonna get some really good content I hope that this has been good this has been amazing amazing we've touched on everything we've touched on death we've touched on life 
you yeah. know, touched on everything in between, not everything, yeah. but you know, we've, yeah. we've dabbled. I'm still figuring it all out. I don't know. I mean, I have, I'm a very mentally ill person. Some days I still do have bad days and get suicidal ideation. And it is weird to think about how, when I was younger, I would constantly have panic attacks because I was so afraid of dying. I was so afraid of contracting some weird illness and like, you know, it was completely irrational, but it's really interesting on days when I'm not doing well. And I'm like, I wish I could just not be here to think of that little girl who would be like, what are you talking about? This is your worst fear. I don't know. I think that just says a lot about like growing up and coming to terms with things. I like to look at it from both perspectives. And I think it makes me be able to be more rational. It's like, I'm not paralyzed by fear anymore, but I'm also not trying to be here. So I'm like, I can just kind of exist and do the best I can and try to be good to the people around me and make the world good while I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting to talk about the aspects of looking at things in your life from the different ages you've been and having that kind of additional compassion for yourself and, and thinking of things from from that way I try to do it from all potential ages like I did it even when I was younger I was like what would it be like when I'm 22 <laughs> I yeah. could, not, could not really can't imagine it. and it's a little easier now to kind of imagine what my life might look like at 40 and then at 60 and at 80 and you know the different kind of ways that it could be but I'd like to also hold on to the younger versions of myself and it's funny yes. it's weirder to do it now as I'm actually actually kind of getting some years below my belt where you know, I'm 27. 10 years ago, I was 17. Like 17 was such a dancing queen, young and sweet. It was such a moment of just being a teenager and still having a few teenage years left ahead of you, but having a few under your belt too. And yeah, you know, now I'm looking at it from the 27 perspective and I'm like, God damn, like 22 year old me did not know what she was doing. 25 year old me did not know what she was mm-hmm. doing. Like 27 year old me is starting to get the hang of a couple things, but I can't right. imagine all of the ways that I'm going to look back, you know, when I'm 29 and be like, wow, the things she learned. I mean, I look back on just us when we first met a couple of years ago. I do not recognize those people. I mean, in many ways, I feel like I carry that Charlotte really with me. A couple of years. You think a couple of years and it's like, oh, that's only like two years. No, no. We were in the cult. In 2015, before Trump. Wow. Or no, 2016, but the beginning, like the spring spring semester. But still, it was before Trump. Yeah. But it's so wild to me that that was 2016, six years ago. That's insane. Time is so weird. Time is so weird, especially with the pandemic. For me personally, because I had really bad PTSD after some stuff I went through in college. So I feel like I literally like lost like two years of my life. I tell everyone all the time, I'm mentally frozen, like where I was, where that Trauma happened. Brain. Like, Trauma brain is yeah, like so I'm real. 21 mentally. I behave like a 21 year old in like every way I feel like, and I'm 25. You do not, babe. And that really, okay, thank you. That makes me feel better. You might Sometimes, be acting like a 21 year old in many ways, but not in every way. Thank you. Thank you. I remember you. 21 and I've been around 21 year old. <laughs> thank yeah. you. That means a lot. <laughs> also, <laughs> I feel, feel like, like we should just say that we were not actually in, a, well, mm, Depends on your definition of cult. We were in a sorority together. That's not that's the fun. <laughs> I do not Charlotte. like thinking of it that way. <laughs> what? I don't like thinking of it that way. It was a cult. I know. No, I mean, a lie. Here's the um, thing. Here's the thing. Given, we this is the definition of a cult. One of the like primary criteria of being a cult is that you excommunicate and slander and monitor and stalk anyone that critiques you. And that's literally 
what they did. Anyone who breaks the status quo or isn't acting exactly like everyone else, you are treated like you're insane. And so in many ways, not all sororities are cults. I want to oh my God, no, not a specific all. chapter at our specific university. It was just it was weird. Definitely a cult. <laughs> like was also the fact, dude, the, not a good they wouldn't let me leave. No, no, they wouldn't. They literally leave wouldn't let us leave. They wouldn't let you leave. You're like, all I wanted leaving. to do was like, not be in it anymore. And they literally- to go back twice. I had to go back twice to be like, you need to let me out. I did scam them out of $200 though. As so. you should, unhinged. Um. <laughs> but, uh, um. No, but going back to death, yes. I do feel like in many ways, I feel like I killed off that part of myself that person that was there during that time. So not only do I feel like we die as like a real death, but I feel like as people, there are a lot of deaths we go through. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, it's, not to get abstract, but- Please, I live in the abstract. It's honestly so powerful to kill off, so to speak, versions of yourself. Yeah. Because- remnants of them will be in your mind in terms of like this was a thing yes that I went through Mm -hmm. this is how I went through it but you're able to detach from it maybe it's a form of dissociation I don't know I struggled that through a bit like it is really powerful to recognize that a version of yourself is gone like the version of myself in high school I don't know her I don't right. know her. I know what she was trying to do. I understand right. how hurt she was. I understand all of the trauma she couldn't process yet and why she was acting the way that she was. Right. But the people who knew me in high school, she's gone. She's dead. Yeah. You don't know her. You don't know, I, or at least you uh, don't know me. Like, even if you still follow me on Instagram, you don't know me because right, you only exactly. knew me in high school and she's been gone for years yeah. at this point. Again, a decade at least. I still relate to most younger versions of myself, but when it comes to trauma specifically and escaping multiple cult-like situations, all in Greek life, just saying, no slang. Not again, not not all Greek life, but the specific situations I was I in. I have friends just. that have had sorority experiences that Same. honestly are idyllic. I'm just like, wow. And I'm happy for them. Yeah, genuinely. Genuinely so happy like, for genuinely. It just was really not did. my experience. Exactly. Not my experience. unless you were drinking the kool-aid right i feel like those are the parts of me that i had to kill off i do not identify at all with this person i do not identify with the people that i was around that was never i don't know it's hard to explain but i feel like you get it because it's it's very like trauma specific feeling like you need to like kill off an old part of yourself it's finding what practices were serving you yes which were serving other people Yes. Oh, so well said. And that distinction is a lot easier to make the older you get. Mm -hmm. And then once you've been able to make it, once you've lived through whatever experience you've lived through, you can look back on it and say, there's just no memory. Like I have no memory space for this. The hard drive that is my noggin. Right. It doesn't deserve the space and I'm not going to give it it. I have other, I have bigger problems. (laughs) way more space right now and I'm gonna focus on them because they deserve it because they need to be tended to and this I can literally just like I'm going to edit the audio cut delete remove snip snip and the brain does that naturally for a lot of shit without me Mm -hmm. ever having to put a conscious thought into it I appreciate that thanks for looking out girl she's really the best yeah my brain 
besties at this point. I mean, now it took a while. <laughs> I feel that so hard. We're doing our best with our brains. We're trying to be BFFs. All right. Well, you know what? Then we're just going to wrap it up. And here's my last little question that I ask everyone. In Jewish culture, we have a tradition where we don't like to decorate death with more death. So we don't have flowers for people dying like you don't bring flowers that's very christian not jewish at all and when you have like a gravesite and you're visiting it you leave a stone stones are eternal and it shows that people have visited without adorning death with death by flowers that then die love that well we love a technical difficulty right Mm, yeah so i don't know how the audio is going to sound for that first part of the pod guys sorry about that but We've got Charlotte still with us. And just to polish us off is my final question just regarding your charity in lieu of flowers. So I would love to know a charity that is close to your heart that if you were to die next week, you would want people to donate to in lieu of flowers. Mm, That's such a wonderful question. Oh my goodness. I think... Honestly, the charity that has been like closest to my heart for years is House of Ruth Baltimore because we worked with them for so many years. They were the benefactor. We we donated to them from our productions of Vagina Monologues that I directed in college. They just do such wonderful things for women in Baltimore and like in that area. I love what they do for like local women and like giving women who have been victims of domestic violence resources and a place to stay and help for the kids and resources. And that's just something that I hold really close to my heart. You know, like we talked about, we really care about women and like protecting women. And that's actually a charity that's very close to my heart too. My mom has spent numerous hours doing volunteer work for them occasionally, like all of my clothes, all of the donations that I've ever donated, it's all gone through House of Ruth first. And I have actually been to one of their safe houses, which was really interesting, where I was helping, you know, deliver a bunch of stuff with my mom. And she explained how this safe house is an address that these women's husbands don't know about, aren't connected to, can't find them. And they change them very frequently. So this safe house that I went to was not a safe house for long. And it, they kind of come and go. And it was so powerful to know that there were women who needed to just pick up their children, get in their cars and drive away with nothing. And they had to make that choice and, and move forward from yeah, it. Yeah, everyone should definitely check them out. They are awesome. They have a very deserving cause. They have like a, a closet on their website, like a bunch of really cool clothes, really nice clothes that people have donated and it all benefits House of Ruth. So definitely check them out. They're amazing. Definitely. And then uh, I'd love you to give any plugs if you have anything that you'd like our listeners to find you on. Totally fair if you have nothing. I'm private on my Instagram and some of my friends are too. So like you don't have to. Yeah, it's weird. Back when I was writing and publishing stuff, I would always plug my stuff. But now I'm like, I'm kind of more chill. I like to, I like to make it a bit harder for the weirdos from home to find me, not the listeners, just, uh, just the weirdos whose minds I live in rent free, but you can definitely and should definitely follow at the palace John on Instagram, especially if you're in Philly or near Philly, we put on really great shows. And like, we try to do food drives. We just did our last 
last show actually was to benefit a local um, women's shelter here in Philly. So we like to, we like to do cool stuff like that. And if you like local DIY stuff, then that's kind of my current thing that I work on really hard. And I also do marketing for a project called Decolonized Tarot. They're making like a Filipino centered deck. It's going to be all people of color. It's going to be really inclusive and cool. We have autistic people. We have people with cancer um, in the deck, people without like limbs. Like it's just a really cool inclusive deck. Our king on our wands card is super feminine. And then our queen is way more mask. Like we're doing some cool stuff with this deck. So yeah, definitely check out those projects if you're interested. Awesome. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Char. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day, listeners. Yes, everybody. Thank you. Make the most of today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.